Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith, coming to you from Colorado Springs. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Warren and I bring you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resources God has given us. On today's program, stories of Christian ministries stepping up in response to the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak. Also on today's program, the Evangelical Council of Financial Accountability has a new president who will face new challenges in the months and years ahead. All that and a lot more on today's edition of the Ministry Watch podcast. We begin today with a bold gesture by the ministry Samaritan's Purse. It's a response to the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, you're right, uh, Natasha. A DC-8 aircraft, which is a very large plane owned by Samaritan's Purse, carried an emergency field hospital and a team of 32 technicians and medical personnel from Greensboro, North Carolina, where it keeps that plane, on Tuesday to Cremona, Italy, to set up a triage operation outside of a hospital there. The massive shipment is a donation from Samaritan's Purse, which of course is the Evangelical Humanitarian Relief Organization that's led by Franklin Graham, who's also the CEO of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. When the hospital is put together in Italy, it'll be a modular tent-like field hospital that will help Italian medical staff whose local medical infrastructure has been overwhelmed with the coronavirus outbreak there. And this donation represents one of the largest faith-based responses to the COVID-19 outbreak. Do you know exactly the scope of the work there? Well, in all, Samaritan's Purse expects to have about 60 technicians, doctors, nurses, and pharmacists. By the way, Natasha, I should mention to you, I have flown on that DC-8 that they use to take that hospital over, and it's mostly a cargo plane. It only has a few seats on it, so they're probably going to have to make another trip to take all of these technicians that they want to take with them. Uh, The main purpose of the field hospital is to serve as an overflow center for people needing emergency care in the hardest hit Italian region, the Lombardy region. Uh, Italy is second only to China in the number of coronavirus infections. Uh, The country of about 60 million people is under a tight lockdown right now with shops and churches and all manner of businesses completely shuttered. And there's also severe restrictions on gatherings as well. Now, Warren, I understand that here in America, many Christian groups are working on a smaller scale. Yeah, they are. I think that uh, gesture or that activity by Samaritan's Purse is sort of the grandest gesture that I've seen. But it's really been interesting and encouraging as I've been sort of following Christian ministries. And of course, we've all been following the COVID-19 virus to kind of see what's going on, uh, to hear all of these stories. Uh, Many of the stories, of course, we'll never hear about as there are a lot of small neighbor-to-neighbor projects going on, but a few that we have heard about here at Ministry Watch include a a soup kitchen in Washington, D.C., Miriam's Kitchen, that's retooled itself to provide carry-out containers rather than serve their meals in a dining room. And of course, that prevents the spread of the virus. The Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Groups, including North Carolina's Baptist on Mission, have provided resources to churches that want to respond to the coronavirus, but are unsure of what to do without endangering the health of church members and volunteers. And college ministry groups are having to be creative, too, since a lot of the colleges uh, are going virtual. 
Yeah, they sure are. Uh, we posted a story this week from Cornell University, where the university abruptly announced last Friday that classes would be ending that very evening. So students and student leaders were kind of in an uproar, and the folks from Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew, sprang into action. Uh, they operate on thousands of college campuses. The team at Cornell focused on collecting moving boxes, uh, driving students who didn't have automobiles, and helping find stores places for their belongings because they had to be out of their dorm rooms just in a matter of hours in some cases. Now, Nathan Albert is at the University of Lynchburg. He's a chaplain there, and he said that he and his fellow chaplains uh, will send students sign-in sheets to help with one-on-one virtual pastoral care and to set up Zoom video conference, FaceTime sessions, and phone calls because a lot of the counseling needs that Christian ministers have been uh, engaged in on the college campuses don't go away. And in fact, in some cases, they become even more acute as students are dealing with whatever they were dealing with before, plus the added anxiety of the pandemic. Yes, and a lot of the sporting events have also been canceled, which means that a lot of the ministries that happen at such events with the teams has also had to change as well. Yeah, that's right. You know, a lot of, I mean, we're all aware of, you know, the NCAA March Madness uh, being canceled and NASCAR races being canceled and the NBA, you know, postponing or or suspending its season. But a lot of people don't really remember or realize that a lot of ministry takes place around these events as well. There's a lot of evangelism, a lot of discipleship on the part of the race teams, chaplains for the teams, and so on. Daryl Barker leads one of those ministries. It's called Masters Men Racing. It's a men's discipleship and evangelism ministry that works in the motorsports industry, and that's an industry that, as I mentioned, that's been hit really hard with race cancellations. Now, Daryl Barker told me that his group serves as uh, the chaplaincy for the ARCA Menards Racing Series. This is a circuit that is a little bit smaller than the big NASCAR circuit that we're used to seeing, though they do some events together. Barker's team also serves a number of NASCAR organizations as team chaplains. He conducts weekly Bible studies, general pastoral ministry, and they do ministry right at the racetrack. Well, and obviously all of this happens face-to-face, so what are they doing instead? Yeah, Daryl told me that the key for them is communication. He said that short messages uh, that originate from the truths of Scripture are the most powerful means of encouragement. He said, I do, of course, try to give them some of my insights and applications, but I try to limit my own, and he put wisdom in quotation marks, uh, and instead point people to the living and active Word of God. Now, another story that you did this week caught my attention, and I think many of us have had the same experience of going to the stores during this week and seeing the toilet paper aisle completely empty and cleaning supplies gone. Um, but you got a story that says the shortage is also hitting the churches as well. Well, yeah, of course, they've got the same shortages of toilet paper and so on, though I would say it's not as acute because nobody's showing up to use their restrooms. But they have another kind of a shortage. Church supply organizations are seeing a sharp increase in 
prepackaged communion kits. Uh, Audrey Kidd is with the United Methodist Publishing House, and she said that we've seen a tenfold increase in the sale of these items. And a spokesman for Lifeway Christian Resources, which is an arm of the Southern Baptist Convention that also offers church supplies to member churches, said that they've seen an increase as well. Uh, a private company called Celebration Communion Cup is a Florida-based manufacturer of a similar kind of a product, and they've also seen a spike in interest. So before we leave the coronavirus news, what's the latest on conferences being canceled? Yeah, you know, uh, Natasha, you and I kind of had a bit of a conversation around this last week, and uh, I already know that some of the things we said last week are no longer true, so our listeners should be aware that this stuff is changing by the hour. For example, in last week's podcast, you might remember, I mentioned that Liberty University had not called off classes. Right, I do remember, and as soon as we released the podcast, they announced that, in fact, classes would go virtual for the rest of the semester. Yeah, that's exactly right. My daughter is a sophomore at Liberty, and she's home right now for that very reason. So this one hits pretty close to home for me. So I should just, again, reiterate that if you're making plans to go to a conference or any kind of a church or Christian event, you need to check with the organizers of that event. But here's what I do know. The great homeschool conferences have all been canceled for this spring. Uh, That's a big uh, sort of circuit of homeschool conferences. They take place in Dallas, in in, uh, South Carolina, uh, in uh, other cities around the country, all canceled. In fact, I was supposed to be in Greenville, South Carolina myself today for one of those conferences, but that's obviously, of course, not happening. But a lot of conferences are still going on, I understand. Yeah, well, at least for now. The Colson Center for Christian Worldview hosts an annual Wilberforce weekend in May. Uh, The Colson Center sent around an email last week saying that so far they are still planning to hold the event, that uh, their event actually takes place just a couple of days outside that 60-day window uh, that President Trump had asked people to shut down events. But the Evangelical Press Association announced last week that it would be holding its conference in Colorado Springs. In fact, I think we mentioned them last week. But I got an email just literally today saying that that conference, too, was canceled. So once again, another reminder, check with the organizer if you plan to attend an event. I should say, though, that so far, Gabe Lyons, who hosts the CUCO, conference, and that usually attracts about 2,000 people to Nashville. So far, they're still on. Now, Warren, we have to take a little break, but when will your turn an update on the Wycliffe Associates? I'm Natasha Smith, coming to you from Colorado Springs. And I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch weekly podcast. 
Up next is a story I promised before the break, an update on Ministry Watch's coverage of Wycliffe Associates. Last week, we reported that Wycliffe Associates had resigned its membership in the Evangelical Council of Financial Accountability while it was under review by the ECFA. Warren, I understand that you have an update. Yeah, I do. As often happens when concerns about a ministry become public, people who have been silent, you know, find their voice, sometimes find their courage and come forward. So after our original story about Wycliffe Associates, we had an anonymous tip that we should look more deeply into the finances of Wycliffe Associates. So we did, and we discovered that the organization's president, Bruce Smith, often uses a ministry-owned million-dollar airplane for his business trips. Is that normal? Well, Bible translation organizations that operate in remote parts of the world, roadless parts of the world, will often use aircraft for basic transportation. Mission Aviation Fellowship, Samaritan's Purse, who we've already talked about, and JARS, which is uh, an acronym for what used to be the Jungle Aviation and Radio Service, have been using airplanes for decades to move personnel and materiel to remote parts of the world. But your article says that Whitcliffe Associates wasn't involved in any of those activities with this particular airplane. Yeah, that's right. I examined the flight records for the last six months and found that the most distant airport that their plane landed was in Reno, Nevada. By the way, they're headquartered in Orlando, Florida. Indeed, the vast majority of the destinations were not remote at all, but they were major U.S. cities, including Atlanta, San Antonio, Nashville, and St. Louis. Almost all of the smaller destinations where you might think, uh, well, maybe we have to have a private plane to get there because they don't have commercial service, also had commercial airports, places like Wichita, Naples, Florida, and Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So they definitely could have taken commercial flights. Yeah, they definitely could have, and it would have been a lot cheaper. Uh, The fixed cost of owning a TBM 700, which is a the turboprop that Wycliffe Associates owns are about $6,000 a month, and they have an operating cost of about $2 per nautical mile. So what does that mean in plain English? <laughs> right. Well, it means that, uh, just for example, a September flight that the Wycliffe Associates plane made from Orlando to Atlanta and back again cost more than $2,000, not including the fixed cost of the plane itself, which probably added another $1,000. So we're talking about $3,000 for that trip. A round-trip air ticket between Orlando and Atlanta, keep in mind that those are cities pretty close together, and they have a lot of traffic going back and forth, ranged anywhere from a about 100 to $300, depending upon the time of day that you wanted to go. But if the plane that they were taking had a, a lot of people on it, wouldn't it be cheaper then? Well, it could be, but in this case, probably not, because the TBM 700 seats only five people plus a pilot. So even if the Wycliffe Associates plane was full, it still would have been far cheaper to fly commercial. But some executives who fly in corporate planes say that the cost of ownership is more than made up in the time that they save. Well, that may be true for corporate executives making millions of dollars a year, though even Warren Buffett, who for many years was the richest man in the world, famously said that the value of corporate aircraft was never worth the cost. In fact, Warren Buffett's uh, net worth when it exceeded $50 billion finally broke down and bought his own plane, and he ironically named it, I should say humorously named it, indefensible. 
Uh, and another irony of using the time-saving argument for the Wycliffe airplane is the simple geographical fact that Wycliffe Associates is almost right next door to Orlando International Airport, which is the home of most of Orlando's commercial flights. The Orlando Executive Airport, where Wycliffe Associates' plane is hangered, is more than a half hour away from Wycliffe's offices. And that's a half hour on a day when there is no traffic. And trust me, I've been to Orlando. There's always traffic. Are there other Christian ministries who have airplanes? Well, besides the relief organizations that we've already talked about, we talked about them a few minutes ago, most of the ministries with planes are prosperity gospel preachers. Uh, folks like Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Mac Hammond, uh, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, Joyce Meyer, Daystar, Perry Stone, Kenneth Copeland. These are all organizations that have private planes. So this is definitely not the norm for mainstream evangelical organizations. Warren, I want to change the subject slightly and talk about another organization whose membership in the ECFA has just been terminated, and that's Christian Aid Mission. Yeah, the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability has terminated the membership of the Charlottesville-based Christian Aid Mission for failure to comply with one of its financial standards regarding board governance. Now, the Christian Aid Mission assists indigenous missionary ministries overseas. It was founded in 1953 and has worked in more than 130 countries around the world. It has been around for a while, and it's another organization that has been a member of the ECFA for a long time, ever since 1997. Yeah, you're right about that. And I should say that the situation at Christian Aid Mission is really pretty different from the one at Wycliffe Associates. Uh, Standard two of the ECFA says that every organization shall be governed by a responsible board of not less than five individuals, a majority of whom should be independent. Well, Christian Aid Mission had allowed its board to become filled with people who were not completely independent. They were either employees or had some other relationship to the ministry that compromised their independence. A key difference here is that Christian Aid Mission acknowledged the problem, and they told me that they were actively taking steps to fix the problem, and they wanted to appeal the ECFA decision and get back into the ECFA. And if that happens, we should commend both the ECFA and Christian Aid Mission because that is the way the process is supposed to work. Now, Warren, we have to take another break, but when we return, a lightning round of quick stories from all over the ministry world. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and we'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast, where we unpack stories of Christian ministries in the news, along with other items of interest to help you be a more effective financial steward. Now, Warren, we still have a lot to unpack this week. 
So let's go quickly through a few stories. First up, you mentioned the Evangelical Council of Financial Accountability a few times on the program today, and they've got news on their own. Yeah, the current and longtime president of the ECFA, Dan Busby, will transition to President Emeritus, and the organization just this week named a new president, Michael Martin, who's been serving at the ECFA since 2011. Up next is news about a man who is an advisor to Barack Obama and George W. Bush. Yeah, he was also the pastor of a megachurch in Houston, and the man I'm talking about is Kirby John Caldwell, formerly senior pastor of Windsor Village United Methodist Church in Houston. He pled guilty to conspiracy to commit wire fraud for his role in a multi-million dollar investment scheme that defrauded elderly Louisiana residents. Uh, U.S. Attorney David Joseph, he's of the U.S. Attorney's Office of the Western District of Louisiana, said that Kirby John Caldwell and a co-defendant, used their positions as religious leaders and investment advisors to defraud Louisiana residents, many of whom were elderly and retired. He goes on to say that in doing so, the defendants abused the trust and respect of their victims for the sole purpose of stealing their money. This type of deceit uh, could be devastating for victims, especially when their entire life savings were lost. Um, he also said that his office would continue to vigorously prosecute those who use confidence schemes, he called them, to prey upon the elderly and on people of faith. How much money was involved? Well, according to the information presented in court, uh, Caldwell and his co-defendant convinced multiple victims to invest $3.5 million in Chinese bonds, Natasha, if you can believe that. They're historical Chinese bonds, which were issued by the former Republic of China before the communist regime took power in 1949. The bonds are not even recognized by China's current government and have no investment value whatsoever, according to the attorney's office. So is he going to jail for this? Well, it's a little too early to tell. I mean, you would think that, that, you know, when they're selling these Chinese bonds, they're so obviously fraudulent that there's no way anyone would buy them unless, you know, it was someone like a pastor coming to you and and someone that you really trusted. Uh, But Caldwell does face between five and seven years in prison and a fine of about $250,000. And then after that, it could be another three years of supervised release. Now, he said that he's going to make full restitution. He's already made partial restitution, and he's agreed to pay the remaining balance of nearly $2 million before the sentencing, which is supposed to take place in July. If he can somehow pay all of the money back, that could have an impact on his sentence. Now, Warren, we're getting to the end of our time today, but before we go, can you mention one other resource on the site that might be of particular interest to ministry leaders? And I'm referring to the article by Rick Dunham. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you asked about that, Natasha, because a lot of ministry leaders are worried about fundraising right now. I mean, it's a lot of fundraising activities have been shut down. You can't go see your donors. Uh, Even sending out emails uh, that don't relate to the coronavirus are often not getting looked at. So Rick Dunham, he runs a fundraising consulting firm, and he wrote an article that I thought had a lot of wisdom for ministry leaders uh, and donors, for that matter, uh, who perhaps um, didn't have to go through the 2008 financial crisis or 9-11, which has now been nearly 20 years ago, or the tech bust, uh, which took place in 2001. He talks about how the coronavirus and a recession that 
could possibly follow might impact fundraising and what both donors and ministry leaders should do about it. And Natasha, I want to be really clear about this. Ministry Watch is not a client of Rick Dunham. We don't take any money from Dunham. Uh, We're not recommending Dunham for fundraising services. I just found the article really helpful, so we posted it under the opinion tab on the Ministry Watch website. Now, Warren, we've mentioned a lot of organizations today, the Whitcliffe Associates, Samaritan's Purse, Christian Aid Mission, and others. Can you remind us again how to find financial information about these Christian ministries on Ministry Watch website? Yeah, just go to ministrywatch.com, and in the upper left-hand corner, you'll see a bright red button that says Search for a Ministry. If you click there, it'll take you to our database, and then you can search individually for the particular ministry you're looking for. We've got uh, financial information, our own financial efficiency rating for the 500 largest ministries in the country, including the three that you just mentioned. Ministry Watch is now also tracking changes to the membership status of organizations in the Financial Council for Financial Accountability. We think the ECFA is doing an important work in the ministry ecosystem in this country, and donors should know who joins, but probably more importantly, who leaves. And we'll be posting that information each and every Friday in my weekly review column, which you can read. Probably it's up to date. Warren, do you have any final words before we go? Yeah, I did want to say one thing, Natasha. You and I have been doing this podcast now for more than a month, not quite two months, and I'd like to thank everyone who's been listening. And I'd also uh, like to make a request, and that is for you to rate the program. It's really easy to rate us on your podcast app, and it doesn't cost you a dime. Uh, The more ratings we have, the better the program performs with search engines. So if I could say it this way, Natasha, the simple math is this. It helps us a whole lot more than it costs you. And if you want, by the way, you can also leave a comment. I read all the comments on the podcast app, and I'm grateful for the feedback. Or if you just want to send me an email, my email address is wsmith at ministrywatch.com. Our producers are Rich Rosel and Steve Gandy. We get tech support from Casey Sedith. Writers who contributed to today's program include Christina Darnell, Warren Smith, and Ann Steich. Special thanks this week to Barry Bowen and the folks at Trinity Foundation for helping us with the flight data from the Whitcliffe Associates airplane. I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs. And I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to Ministry Watch Podcast. Until next week, may God bless you.